0: just turn it off. I can can project. You sure? Okay. Lord, we thank you that you're on the throne regardless of what's going on in our lives, in this world. And we thank you, Lord, that it is only by your mercy that we can come to see it and understand it and bow to you. So, Lord, I ask that you would pour out by your spirit this morning your grace on our lives and do this for your name's sake I pray amen is god really sovereign over this world's kings and kingdoms really is god really in control don't you ever find yourself uh, reading the the news hearing on the radio uh, of sex scandals with the Secret Service, or uh, suicide bombing that killed nine in Damascus, or Wall Street's up this week, you don't know where it's going to be next week, the uncertainty of the world we live in, do you ever find yourself asking the question, who's really in control here? It's a pretty scary world we live in and um this last week that's really bothering me i'm sorry can you just turn it off it turn it down or something i cannot uh concentrate i just can't concentrate thank you there thank you so much how about in your own life Do you ever feel like your life's spinning out of control? Like nobody cares about you? Like your life really doesn't matter? Like you're really, really insignificant? And quite frankly, it doesn't matter if you live or die. I think some of us have experienced that. Some of us are about to experience it. Sooner or later, you get in touch with the uncertainty of life and you ask yourself the question, what's this all about? What's this all about? This last week, um, we had a, um, a sad news come to us that uh, one of our friends, one of my children's uh, teachers from second grade and third grade, I believe, um, died. She was 37 years old. And um, the death hit... Some people harder than others, but if there's one thing that I've experienced, and those of you who have had loved ones uh, die experience, is when death comes, the immediate response is we get shocked. There we're stunned, because what happens is this: reality really does hit us right upside the head. We get kind of woken up from our stupor, and all of a sudden. All of the nonsense that we drink in in our weeks and months and years all seem to fade away in light of, wow, death is real. It's not a dream. Do you find yourself during the good times preparing for the bad times? Or do you do what I tend to be guilty of? Not prepare. We live in California. Um, You know, earthquakes. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I've already admitted my guilt. Uh, If there was a disaster, uh, how many of you, other than me, would not be ready to have at least two weeks' supply? To just survive. Well, it seems to me that that's physical, that's temporary. And yet too often what happens is we get so caught up in the temporary that we do not think of nor care to bonder the eternal. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 2 this morning. In chapter 1, the last time I was here, There were two main things that I emphasized. One was that God is sovereign over the displacement of his people. As we saw in chapter 1 where Babylon takes Israel, Judah, into captivity. And yet God's grace was on his men, his young men. And he used them and he exalted them. Chapter 2. I want to ask the question, is God really sovereign over this world's kings and kingdoms? When everything's going great, which it was temporarily for Daniel and his buddies, something happened that shook not only them up, but the whole of Babylon, all of the wise men. Let's begin reading chapter 2, verse 1. Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. The king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever! Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied to the Chaldeans, The command from me is firm. uh, If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell the dream to his servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time, and as much as you have seen that the command for me is firm, that if you do not make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you, for you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation is changed. Therefore, Tell me the dream that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There's not a man on earth who could declare the matter for the king. And as much as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, and there is no one else who could declare it to the king except gods whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. Because of this... The king became indignant and very furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He said to Arioch, the king's commander, For what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to Him. It is He who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is He who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with Him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have me wisdom and power, even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and spoke to him as follows, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me into the king's presence, and I will declare the interpretation to the king. Then Arioch hurriedly. Brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows I found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed your thoughts turned to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your heart. You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue, which was large and of extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold, "'its breast and its arms of silver, "'its belly and its thighs of bronze, "'its legs of iron, "'its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. "'You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands, "'and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay "'and crushed them. "'Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold "'were crushed all at the same time "'and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. "'And the wind carried them away "'so that not a trace of them was found.' But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell its interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand and has caused you to rule over them all. You are the head of gold. After you, there will arise another kingdom inferior to you, then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. Then there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, and as much as iron crushes and shatters all things, so, like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. In that you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron, inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seat of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as the iron does not combine with pottery. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it itself will endure forever. And as much as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and gave orders to present to him an offering and fragrant incense. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. Long reading, but if there's anything worth hearing, it's the word of God more than anything I have to say about it. There's two big ideas here that I want to focus on. The two ideas are this. They're about the dreams of men and they're about the kings and kingdoms. Two things, of dreams and men and of kings and kingdoms. Verse 3, I want to point out. The king said that he had a dream and he was, my translation says, that he was anxious to understand the dream. He was moved. He was impelled. He was quaked in his boots, in his sleep. He awoke and he was frightened. And essentially what the king says in verses 1-18 through where he sets everything in motion, tell me what the dream is or you all die, period. And by the way, I'm not going to tell you what the dream was so that I'll know that what you're telling me can be trusted. Those are some pretty, pretty uh, high uh, or, uh, commands. So he wakes up from this dream. He's agitated. And he's mad. Puts out a crazy order. I remember when I was a kid, I used to have these horrible nightmares where I would fall. And I continue to fall and fall and fall, and I'd wake up in a cold sweat. Anybody ever experienced those kind of dreams, that kind of fear? Well, I'm sure, pretty sure, that King Nebuchadnezzar had something frightful like that that woke him up, such that he's making havoc in his kingdom. Now, he's very concerned. His breath is essentially it's being taken away. I want you to note verse ten that the Chaldeans, in response to the king, say this, there is not a man on earth who could declare the matter for the king, inasmuch as much as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, you think? And there is no one else who could declare to the king except God's, whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. Isn't that interesting? King, what you want, nobody's ever asked of it. Not only that, it's an impossible task to adhere to. It can't be done. Oh, and those who do know it are the gods who, number one, they don't dwell with men, and, and essentially they don't care about our affairs. Keep that in mind. Here we have wise men who are truly ignorant. They're gods while transcendent. They're indifferent. They can't be reached. They don't care about them. Keep that in mind. Daniel's God is not like that. Verse 14. So you got the wise men freaking out. Now Daniel. Then Daniel in verse 14 says, Says this with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon, he said to Arioch, the king's commander, For what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? Note this from Daniel his manner. His manner is not to freak out, but he skillfully and purposefully goes and speaks to Ariok. The executioner is before him, and he's inquiring, what's going on? That was his head too. It was going to be his head. What's going on? I love what the NIV says. It says that Daniel replied with wisdom and with tact. Another translation says, Choosing his words carefully. The language of the Septuagint, which is the Greek Bible in the Old Testament, says that Daniel is going to this executioner with purpose and with a resolution. He is not mindless. He is very aware of the danger that is before him. And he discreetly inquires. How often, how often, when we are shaken in our boots, do we mindlessly and flippantly go off at the mouth? How easy it is for us to freak out he doesn't freak out and he's facing death right here here we have what i think is a great example of coolness under extreme pressure notice what he does he entreats man a certain way and now he entreats god in this way here's what he says in verse seventeen Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Extreme circumstances call for extreme actions. I remember in 1995 when... um, We had planted a Spanish church and we had three kids and uh, I was going through all kinds of difficulties. Um, There was hardly anybody at the church. Finances were horrible. Uh, We were behind on rent months and uh, I went to PV uh, down into the the cove and uh, I had to spend some time with God because I felt like my life was falling apart at the seams and I didn't know what was going on i I just didn't know which way to turn and this was one of the times that i knew god you've got to answer me i got to know what the heck to do because i'm losing it i feel all alone and i'm losing it i'm scared and god's grace god's grace met me his grace met me But the pain was still real. And he's used it in my life for his honor. But nonetheless, too often what I find is that the last thing I find myself doing is crying out to God in extreme circumstances. How about you? See the last one you go to? Here we're encouraged to run to God. We're encouraged to run to God. Extreme circumstances call for extreme actions. And what did they do? They prayed. They prayed. Recall Jesus in the garden? What's He doing in the garden? He's getting ready for Calvary. What is He doing? He's praying. What does does Jesus do before he goes into his ministry, his public ministry? He fasts and he prays 40 days, 40 nights. Note what Daniel does. He doesn't go at it alone. He calls in his friends. He calls in his friends to carry the burden with him. Jesus calls in his friends at his hour of need, greatest hour of need. He calls in his friends. Do we call in friends in our hour of need? Or do we just put people at an arm's distance? We don't have to. This passage, it's a great principle. Invite others in your need to entreat the God of heaven. So this dream, verses 1 through 18, this dream causes a tremendous amount of distress, not only for the king, but as a result, for everybody else. But now, this dream is revealed. Verses 19 through 35. Let's look at this. Verse 19 says this. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel said... Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to Him. It is He who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and and knowledge to men of understanding. It is He who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with Him. To you, O God of my fathers... I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. Matter of life and death, God answers. God answered him. He answered him. What's the proper response? Praise. He praises God. Daniel recounts the wisdom and power of God. He acknowledges God's sovereignty. He recounts that this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the covenant keeper. He is the God who has revealed Himself in space-time history to a particular people who is faithful and true and has a track record of delivering His people from insurmountable odds, from absolute and utter hopelessness. This is the God of His fathers. And this covenant-keeping God cares. He's a caring God. He cares personally for Daniel and for his friends. Go to Psalm 75. Psalm 75 reveals who's really in charge. And I'm going to read. Give you a minute to get there. After you get to Psalm 75, go to Psalm 3. Okay, just put your finger in Psalm 3 if you can. Verse 1, we give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks, for your name is near. Men declare your wondrous works. When I select an appointed time, it is I who judge with equity. The earth and all who dwell in it melt. It is I who have firmly set its pillars. I said to the boastful, do not boast. And to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with insolent pride. For not from the east nor from the west nor from the desert comes exaltation. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Chapter 3 of Psalms. O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. But You, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and He answered me from His holy mountain. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for You have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Daniel is experiencing this. Daniel is living these two chapters that I've just read. He's experiencing this. In the book of Acts, chapter 17. Go to the book of Acts, chapter 17. In it, we have Paul on Mars Hill... And he's speaking to the Greeks. Chapter 17, verse 24. Paul says this, "...the God who made the world and all things in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands." Nor is He served by human hands as though He needed anything, since He Himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and exist. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 3, the passage says this of Jesus, that He upholds all things by the word of His power. He not only sustains them, He continually makes sure they function. This is absolute sovereignty. This is absolute power. This is the God who is here? Who in Jesus Christ has revealed himself? Colossians 1:17 says this of Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things what he says says all things so when we are talking about God as absolute sovereign here's my understanding that God is able to do all his holy will the fact that God is all powerful and all sovereign doesn't mean that he can do everything because he can't he can't lie he can't act contrary to what he has purpose to do can't do that. (laughs) But that doesn't take any sovereignty away from Him. It's who He is. This is His exercise of rule over all of creation. Psalm 115.3 says this, Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. So, does that mean that if God is absolutely sovereign, then it doesn't matter how I live and that my choices don't mean anything? And that I'm a robot. I don't think the Bible teaches that at all. I don't think we can get that out of Daniel. But let's face it. The only reason Daniel or Nebuchadnezzar can move about and do whatever it is they can do is because God gives them the breath to do it. He's upholding everything. You see the kindness of God? Even when we go astray and when we shake our fists at heaven and we wrongly accuse Him of evil. Dreams revealed, God is praised. This God is absolutely sovereign. Absolutely sovereign. so what is it in your life that you think is out of control? You know, uh, last week, um, I went skateboarding with my son after a long ride on my bike, and I was doing pretty good. We're going down a hill, you know I thought I was I'm doing all right. and uh, I didn't realize I was going as fast as I was going. So uh, I I just thought, I'll just jump off, right? Well, I jumped off. My momentum just threw me. (laughs) Head over heels. But I landed straight on my feet. I mean, I I felt like I was on the soccer field, you know, going all out. And all of a sudden, you just flip and you land on your feet and and you're good. It's like, oh, my gosh. Okay, everything's cool, right? Uh, I got a little out of control there. You ever get a little out of control? Because you think that, oh, I got this, it's okay, I'm good, I'm good. You know what, even when you are out of control, God isn't. Even when you feel like your life's absolutely unraveling, you can trust Him. Even if you're embarking on something you've never done before in your life, He's going to be right there with you. You're not alone. I and mean, even if you feel like your life's falling apart you have hope. Look at verse 25. Then Aaron brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows: "I found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king." The king said to Daniel, whose name is Beltashazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen?" And its interpretation? Listen to Daniel's response. I love this. Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And He has made known to the King what will take place in the latter days. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. The Creator. The God who upholds all things communicates intelligible propositions language human using human language to reveal himself assure him glad God is not like me I hide from you and you hide from me we are afraid of being known and letting ourselves be known there's a lot that comes with that god isn't god makes himself known Daniel continues. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me, more than in any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king, in that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. Listen to his humility. Listen to Daniel's humility. He's not out to make a name for himself. He's out to exalt the name of God. The kindness of God in revealing his purposes to Daniel has a tremendous effect. It not only saves his life and his comrades' lives, it saves the heathen wise men's lives. God didn't have to reveal it, but He did. Just like God did not have to reveal who His Son is to those of us in here who believe in Him, but He did. That's the kindness of God. That's mercy on our lives. So we see that this matter is not only one of dreams and men, but it's also one of kings and kingdoms. The king is distressed over his dream. (laughs) Daniel cries out to God to reveal the dream. And now, Daniel explains the dream. And essentially, here's what he says to the king Nebuchadnezzar, earthly kings and kingdoms are temporary, and they will be remembered no more. That's verses 36 through 43. He reveals the dream. And now Daniel. There are several things we have to appreciate here. Number one, just because Daniel has been given the dream, he understands what it is, and he can explain it. The fact that he's telling King Nebuchadnezzar that the king is not absolute, it could get his head lopped off. You understand? Can you appreciate it? Can we appreciate the danger that resides In this moment, he's not out of danger yet. He's telling the king something that puts him in his place. And do you know what the Word of God does as it dwells within his people? It emboldens us to speak the truth while our lives might be at stake. Don't you see that in the book of Acts? Oh, we see that in the book of Acts and in the life of Peter, James, and John. When Peter, you know, he's told, you know, he's taken out of prison and and he says, you know, they tell him, do not preach in this name anymore. And Peter says, you know, you guys got to do what you got to do. I got to do what I got to do. I can't stop preaching both of what we know and what we've seen. The boldness in Peter. The boldness in Paul, who time and time again is experiencing danger either from his own countrymen or, or, or from the Gentiles. And in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, he, he, he asks the church, pray that God will give me boldness to speak the word as I ought, that my lips might be seasoned as it were with salt. The word of God emboldens us. Do you feel a, l- a lack of boldness in your life, in your in your walk with God, in your witness to, with people, or even people in your own family, your co-workers? Do you feel a sense of, I'm scared to open up. One remedy, it's not the only one, but one remedy is, let's fill ourselves up more with God. Let's pour over His Word to get to know Him more, to understand His ways clearer, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. What do you mean? People around us that aren't believers, they're at the precipice of 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 their death. The wrath of God is over them. Oh how we need more boldness to open up our mouths in love and in with respect, but open them up. When God speaks we're humbled. When God speaks, we're humbled. One of the reasons why I or you read a passage of scripture that seems to be so clear like the one I read in uh, Psalm 75 where it's God is the judge. He's the one who puts down one and exalts another. That's language of ultimate. He is infinite he is self-existent everything else is dependent on him for its existence and what creatures tend to do we see this in the garden in chapter 3 of genesis where god's word was given and adam and eve said i got this don't we can handle this ourselves and then boy a whirlwind of trouble came as a result but when God speaks, we are humbled. For, for the believer, oh, we love it. I mean, on the one hand, you may have this party that says, oh, I don't like that. But if you're His, there's this part of you that says, oh, Lord, I love this. Yes, break my pride. Yes, show me your way. But for the non-believer, the non-believer says, not enough evidence. I don't believe that there's a God. And all of us have played the fool before, but that's the description of a fool in Psalm 14 or in the Proverbs. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. All of us here at one time have been fools. Some of us may still be there right now. The God of heaven has revealed himself and calls all men, women, children to repent. So the dream explains, first of all, that this earthly king and kings and the kingdoms, they're temporary. Verses thirty-six through um, forty-three, but the heavenly king and the heavenly kingdom is everlasting. Verses forty-four through forty-five. Listen to this: In the days of those kings of, uh, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. And as much as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future so the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. You can trust the revelation. That's what Daniel is saying. God has spoken. You can trust him. Whose kingdom is this? Revelation. We will end with Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verses 26 through 27. If you would, go there. The book of Revelation and the book of Daniel have a lot in common. The big ideas of the kingdom of God are in it, both books. Listen to what Revelation, what Jesus says. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father. Revelation 19, 11 through 20. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty." And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God. So that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast. And those who worshipped His image, these too were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of Him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Who is this King? What is this kingdom? It's King Jesus. It's this kingdom that He inaugurated in His ministry. And it's this kingdom... That is to fully be revealed at the appointed time, which are in God's hands, not ours. Chapter 21 says this Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and He will dwell among them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself will be among them. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write, for these words are faithful and true. He's coming back. He's coming back, church. He's coming back. To finish what he started, unlike us who begin many things and don't finish them, God is not like that. He is not like that. Of dreams and men, of kings and kingdoms, what do we learn? That our rulers and those in authority while placed there by God are not ultimate. God is. You know what that includes? It includes employers, teachers, parents, clients, coaches, They are not ultimate, we are not ultimate, God is. This space time historical reality is not a dream. It's actual. So our choice and how we live have far reaching consequences. They matter. This includes our habits with time our habits with our energy, and our habits of what we do with our money. The God of heaven, unlike the gods of the nations, which are not gods at all, is not only transcendent, completely and totally different from the creation, but He is imminent. He is intricately involved in all of the affairs of men, And that includes the pains and the injustices that have been committed to us and that we have committed toward others. God is not the author of evil. We are responsible for our evil acts. And God is working in these things. It's amazing. Only an all wise God could work in such horrible circumstances. Ultimately, we are told in Corinthians that had the rulers of this earth known what God was doing in the cross, through the cross, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. He's a master at working all things out according to the counsel of His will. your hard times this includes your hard times when you can't understand your math when you can't understand why god has given permission for you to go through some really really bad things and it just it just doesn't make sense Your fears. I know to one degree or another, every one of us in here deals with fear. We have fear. I know each and every one of us to one degree or another experience loneliness. You feel alone. Your fear of being known. My fear of being known. And yet, God is sovereignly moving. He's sovereignly moving in the kings and kingdoms of this earth, which are doing ultimately His bidding. That's mind boggling. It truly is. But He alone is ultimate, not the creature, not the creation. And yet, our choices are significant and they deeply matter. And we are going to give an account to God for how we have lived our lives. This is a tension that the Bible reveals. You know what that includes? Not only our nation's capital, but every continent of this earth where we hear of Horrible things taking place to people. Gross injustice. God's kingdom alone is everlasting. And as such, to not submit to Him, which is to bend the knee to Jesus, is utter madness. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He really meant what he said. He was not joking. And as he came as meek and mild Jesus, who endured the wrath of God on Calvary's cross the first time, when he comes back, we read in the book of Revelation, he is going to slay his enemies. Aren't you glad your Savior is not a one-dimensional God? God is not just a God of love. At the core, God is holy. He is both loving and just. And His wrath is real. Oh, but oh, thank God for His mercy. Thank God for His mercy. If it weren't be for His mercy, we'd be gone. So is God really sovereign over this world's kingdoms? Yes. Yes. Don't you see, church? Cast your cares on Him. Trust Him in your pain. Trust Him in your doubts. And when extreme circumstances arise... Take the extreme measure. Pray. Pray. Rejoice. Rejoice in the God of creation. Run to Him who is alone the source of life. He uses different means, but He's ultimate. Run to Him. And trust Him even when things seem like they're falling apart because this is just temporary but what awaits is eternal Jesus said through many trials actually Paul said through many trials and tribulations must we enter into the kingdom Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Does that bring you hope? I mean, really, does that bring you hope? Or are you completely and totally numb to that reality? Let's pray. can be said I think the only response Lord is to sing even as Daniel did as you revealed your plan and your purpose to of future kings and kingdoms showing that you and you alone are ultimate you and you alone are everlasting and it's to you and you alone we owe our all to I pray God those of us in here whose hearts don't want to bend the knee to Jesus. Do a work in those hearts. Lord, Lord do a work in our hearts. I do want to bend